0: Welcome to IPC. Uh, my name is Sam Jerfy, and it's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Um, in a moment, if you are here visiting uh, or here for the first time in a long time, I'm going to ask that you would stand and introduce yourself. Uh, our visitor or our elders will come around with a microphone so that you can just say your name and where you're from, uh, and they'll give you a, a welcome packet. Uh, additionally, there is a, a sticker inside of there that says "visitor," um, and if, if, if you put that on, that will guarantee that uh, strangers will come up and talk to you afterwards at coffee hour. So uh, please be aware of that. Uh, we have much happening in the life and body of the church. And uh, first and foremost, you may have noticed that the baby banner is out. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, Gordon Schultz's uh, granddaughter, Rebecca and Elias, uh, I need to pronounce this name correctly, Maranucci, uh, had their baby girl Adelina. And so we would like to welcome her and, uh, and, and, and their family. Additionally, uh, we are in October and it is Pray for the Shan month. And uh, as many of you are involved with our O&M team, um, if you don't know or haven't been here in recent weeks, we have adopted the people group of the Shan in Southeast Asia and uh, commit to praying for them every October. And this week, um, you know, we, it's, it's actually been very interesting in the office, we always write up a script of what to pray for and, and it's changed so much in recent days with things happening and Um, in that region of the world. And so what we want to do for this week, if you're following the prayer calendar, is really commit to praying for the missionaries to the Shan people. Um, The number of believers has grown exponentially in the midst of terrible turmoil and strife and and difficulty among missionaries. Um, Missionaries we know there um, who who are doing great things uh, have recently encountered a lot of really difficult days, uh, having to relocate their family and, and living next to an unhealthy, unsafe environment. And so we want to make sure we're lifting up our missionaries in prayer as well that they would be encouraged and that they would know that the Lord has has called them to this work, especially in the discouraging times. Um, this afternoon, we will be having a book stall at coffee hour. We want to make sure everyone is available um, or everyone is aware of that. And uh, we've, uh, many people have asked about uh, our, our lead pastor, Douglas Brower's most recent book on inter- intercultural ministry. And I think that uh, they've ordered a, a number of extras. So if you've been looking for a way to get a copy of that, um, you can probably get that today at the bookstore. And finally, uh, we have the Reformation tour coming next Sunday and lunch, and unfortunately that is full. Uh, and so if you were waiting to sign up to the last minute, too bad, you missed out. Uh, we had a wonderful response, and um, hopefully we'll be able to do this again. Uh, we're celebrating the 500th year of the, of the start of the Reformation here in Zurich, and, and doing a historical tour, and with the interest... Um, uh, I think we're going to try and maybe do it again uh, the following year, even though it's not quite 500 years. It'll be 501. Um, so with that, if you are here uh, for the first time, or if this is your first time here in, in a long time, um, I would invite you now uh, to stand. And as I said, an usher will come forward with a microphone that you might just say your name and, and where you're either visiting from or, or where you're, if you're from here. Um, that we might be able to greet you and know who you are. So if that's you, please uh, be brave and feel free to stand now. Wonderful, thank you. And ushers uh, coming around right now.
1: Hello, I'm Sergey Timchenko from Kiev, Ukraine.
2: And I'm Irina Timchenko from
1: Kiev, Ukraine.
0: This yeah. <laughs> Welcome, it's great we to have our you our all.
1: Daughter. Hello, I'm Ava Steiner Pearson from Greenwich, Connecticut.
3: And I'm Christy Pearson, um, and we moved here to, uh, to Zurich a few months ago.
0: Wonderful, welcome. It's great to have you both. Hi, I'm Jack, I'm from the UK. Thank you for being here.
1: Hi, I'm Ann Schaffer from the US.
0: I'm Shane Beavers, my wife Dawn, my daughter Caroline, and uh, we live here in, uh, outside of Zurich. Great. Welcome. It's great to have you all. I'm Jos Bot. <clears throat> we are visiting our friends. Great. Thank you for visiting. It's great to have you. And I think you have one more towards the back there, Paul. Thanks.
4: Hello. This is Vijay. Uh, I'm visiting from the U.S.,
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you all so much. Uh, And uh, at this point, I'd like to invite Michael Weeks, a member of our uh, church council with joys and concerns. Thank you. Good morning, everyone.
5: Um, Oh, that's nice. Um, As a reminder, please do turn off or silence your cell phone so we don't have any unexpected disturbances during the service. Um, I'd like to remind you that our prayer team will be available after the service today. If you would like to uh, pray together with someone Um, after the service, you come over here behind the piano and uh, we'll have someone who will be uh, looking forward to uh, praying with you. Um, With that, I'd like to invite uh, Jean-Claire Goutreau forward as an announcement for the Women's Retreat.
1: Good morning, everybody. It's great to see so many of you today. Uh, my name is Joan Gautreau and I'm IPC's Women's Retreats Coordinator. And I would like to give you a bit of information about the Women's Retreat. In your bulletin, you will find this wonderful leaflet flyer. And so, um, our Women's Retreat will take place on Saturday, the 18th of November at uh, the Seehof in Küsnacht between 10 o'clock in the morning and Uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Can you hear me? Thank you. I never know if I shall shout or step back. Anyways, yeah, thank you. Um, Our speaker this year will be Mrs. Ann Absalom. She'll be coming from, flying in from the UK. Many of you know her already because she's been here two years ago. She's a wonderful, inspiring Bible study leader and speaker, seminar speaker. And the theme For this year's retreat is going to be Knowing Christ Now, and it will be based on Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 to 14. So what does it mean, Knowing Christ Now? Actually, how do we get closer to Christ in these very difficult times when the world is full of uncertainty and violence? How do we react? How do we come closer to Christ? So in the afternoon session, we will be split up into Discuss small groups, discussion groups, and we will be discussing and focusing on Psalm 63. And uh, we will be asking, trying to ask, answer questions such as how might knowing Christ now help us as we seek to bring hope to people around us? Or other question, how would knowing Christ more will alleviate the fear and anxiety people Or we feel in our society so I would like to encourage you ladies to sign up for this wonderful uh, retreat you can do so during the coffee hour today or anytime you can sign up at the through the office and um, uh, bring your friends and husbands I'm sure you're gonna have a great time taking care of the children And another, I have a request. We are looking for somebody who would be willing, and I must say a a woman, please, who would be playing either the guitar or the keyboard so they could accompany us with our hymns and songs. So please don't hesitate. Saturday, the 18th of November, we we would like to see you all, women, here. Thank you so much. Have a nice day.
5: Thank you, Joan. Now I'd like to invite forward uh, Jenny Berlacher, who's going to tell us about the uh, Love in the Box ministry.
6: Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Um, Yes, so my name is Jenny Berlacher. I always pop up at this time of year um, to encourage you all to participate in our Love in a Box uh, campaign. We've done it for quite a few years in church now, maybe about eight or nine. So I know many of you have participated in the past. Um, which has helped to bring a lot of joy to some people in Eastern European countries who really have very little um, and live um, the struggle to get by on a daily basis. So I'm encouraging everybody, not just women, but the whole church, everybody, um, to get involved in this project we'll be here there's a few important points for those that haven't done it before um, a few important points that you need to know Um, we have a list and we'll be giving out this list after church um, today um, and in the canton Schule for the next four weeks as well we have boxes for you because you need to have a certain size of box There are boxes for adults and children. The adult boxes have to be quite big and sturdy, um, so we can provide those for you. So please come by um, and pick those up. There's also a list of contents of the things that you need to have in the box. And this is really important, that you stick to this list if you're doing it, everything that's on the list and only those things on the list. This is something that helps one... um, for these are given out in groups and community centres and schools so it makes it fair for everybody if they've all got the same um, but also more importantly for customs um, these boxes if they know that this is what's in each box they don't have to be checked at customs and they get through a lot faster and easier um, all the items need to be new I just need to express that all new items um, and then afterwards if you could wrap them in some Christmas wrapping paper or something like that, they don 't have to be able to be opened they can the whole box can be wrapped uh, because they know that everything is on the list inside the box, therefore they don 't need to check them, um, so that 's quite important. Um, yeah, so we have the information, please come by and encourage all your friends, families, the other neighbours to get involved too. The more that we collect, obviously, the more people that we can bring a little bit of extra joy to at Christmas. Um, and we'll be here until the last day for collection is the 19th of November. So we'll be here for the next four weeks, giving out and collecting boxes. So thank you.
5: And now let us prepare our hearts and minds for worship.
7: join me in the call to worship. The world belongs to God. You are how good and how lovely is it? Love and faith come together. Justice and peace join hands. If Christ's disciples keep silent, the stones would shout aloud. Now please stand and let us sing hymn number 478 478.
0: Please remain standing as we pray together our prayer of confession this morning, followed by a time of silent prayer. Please pray with me. Merciful and gracious God, our hearts cry out for you to make us whole again. Even as we celebrate that you have come to dwell within us, we have sinned against you and abandoned your commandments. We have been jealous, possessive, ambivalent, and impulsive. We have not heeded your word, and we have not cherished your covenant. Help us to glorify you in all times and in all places. As our souls thirst for your living waters, quench our needs and satisfy our love, that we may come back to you and be sent forth, to fill the world with your mercy and grace. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, who is at work within us. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the message we have heard and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in God there is no darkness at all. If we walk in the light as God is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. and the blood of Jesus, his Son cleanses us from all sin. Amen. Please be seated. At this time, we would like to invite all children to be dismissed to their Sunday school classes, and we will also be enjoying a time of welcoming new members. So if you are one of the new members we're welcoming this morning, please come forward.
4: Good morning, everyone. Today, we will be welcoming uh, five new members to our IPC family. And uh, I would like to draw your attention to your uh, built in insert. You will have a profile of uh, each one of them, basically, to, for you to actually uh, familiarize yourself with them. I would like to read out the name, they're, they're already here, but I would like to read out their name. So it will, it's going to be uh, Belinda Wong. Bessie Zimmerman, uh, but I think she's not here today. Nadia Usne, Elizabeth Grace, and Richard Ernst.
3: I invite you to hear these words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you, that you should go and bear fruit. Everyone who acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. Friends, Jesus Christ has chosen you, and in baptism, we believe that he has joined you to himself. He has called you together with us into the church, which is his body. And now he has brought you to this time and this place, so that you may confess his name before others and go out to serve him, As his faithful disciples. So I'm going to ask you the questions of membership, which I know you have heard before. We ask these questions at baptism. We ask these questions when we uh, ordain and install new elders. These are the questions uh, that are most important to us. So, first, who is your Lord and Savior? Jesus
4: Christ is my Lord and Savior.
3: Do you trust in Him? Do you intend to be his disciple, to obey his word, and to show his love? And finally, will you be a faithful member of this congregation, giving of yourselves in every way? And will you seek the fellowship of the church wherever you may be? Would you please stand? I have a question for you. Do you, the people of this church, promise to work together with these brothers and sisters to spread the good news of the gospel, to help them know all that Christ commands, and by your faith, love, and fellowship, to strengthen their family
2: ties with the household of God? Do you? We do. These new friends have just committed themselves to being a part of this body of Christ. In response, let us all join together in the Apostles' Creed as written in the bulletin. Oh, actually, it's not the bulletin,
4: it's on page 14.
2: Sorry, on page 14 of the hymnal. Sorry. Okay. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Almighty. And he will come again to judge judge, the living living and the dead. I believe believe in the Holy Holy Spirit, Spirit, the Holy Holy Catholic Catholic Church, Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, sins, the resurrection of the body, and the the life everlasting. Amen.
0: Please join me now as we pray for us and these new members. Please pray with me. Gracious God, We praise you for calling us from the east and the west, from the north and the south, to be a servant people, and for gathering us into the body of Christ. We thank you also for choosing to add to our numbers, brothers and sisters in faith today. Together may we live in your spirit and so love one another, that we may have the mind of Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom we give all honor and all glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.
3: Please make a point of welcoming our new members at some point today. Please be seated. Welcome. I'm so glad.
2: I just want to add, if you look in your bulletin, Betsy Zimmerman is a new member today, but she's not here. I want to ask you each to pray for her because her health has deteriorated quite a bit. Most of you who worship here every week knows Betsy. She often sat up front She often sang when she wasn't supposed to and laughed when she wasn't supposed to. And she was just so delightful to worship with. So please pray for her. Thank you.
7: The scripture reading for today is in Nehemiah 5 verses 1 to 13 in the Old Testament on page 434. You can find it in your pew Bible. Now there was a great outcry of the people and of their wives against the Jewish kin. For there were those who said, with our sons and our daughters, we are many, we must get grain so that we may eat and stay alive. There were also those who said, we are having to pledge our fields, our vineyards, and our houses in order to get grain during the famine (laughs) and there were those who said we are having to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to pay the king's tax now our flesh is the same as that of our kindred our children are the same as their children and yet we are forcing our sons and daughters to be slaves and some of our daughters have been ravished we are powerless, and our fields and vineyards now belong to others. To others. I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these complaints. After thinking it over, I brought charges against the nobles and the officials. I said to them, you are all taking interest from your own people. And I called a great assembly to deal with them and said to them, As far as we were able, we have brought back our Jewish kindred who had been sold to other nations. But now you are selling your own kin. Who must then be brought back by us? They were silent and could not find a word to say. So I said, the thing what you are doing is not good. Should you not walk in the fear of our God? to prevent the taunts of the nations, our enemies? Moreover, I and my brothers and my servants are lending them money and grain. Let us stop this taking of interest. Restore to them this very day their fields, their vineyards, their olive orchards, and their houses and the interest of money, grain, wine, and oil that you have been exacting from them. Then they said, We will restore everything and demand nothing more from them. We will do as you say. And I called the priests and made them take an oath to do as they had promised. I also shook out the fold of my garment and said, So may God shake out everyone from house and from property who does not perform this promise. Thus may be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, Amen, and praised the Lord, and the people did as they had promised. This is the word of the Lord.
3: What we are going to be talking about today, as maybe you have gathered from the first reading and from the sermon title, is money. We are engaged this fall in quite a long sermon series on the book of Nehemiah, a book of the Bible, that, to be honest, I've mostly ignored over the years. I've never dug quite this deeply into it before, and as you might imagine, I'm sorry now that I've neglected it for so long. Uh, We're going to take a break from Nehemiah next week and focus instead on the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. It seems to me we have a a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity next week to remember something about our history and and what it means for us today. So that's the subject for next week's uh, sermon, and it will be a theme uh, of our entire service. And then on November 5, and continuing all the way to the beginning of of, uh, Advent, uh, we will finish up this wonderful and, I think, very practical story of uh, the experience of Nehemiah. The New Testament readings uh, during this series have mostly served to illuminate uh, the uh, Old Testament readings, uh, but I hope you have seen as well how Nehemiah points forward to Christ. Uh, Nehemiah, like the uh, several other uh, Old Testament figures, is a type of Christ, his life predicts in some small ways and large ways too uh, what the Messiah will be like and, and what exactly we need to be looking for. Uh, our reading today, a New Testament reading, is from Luke 14. And uh, I'm not going to read the, the entire uh, story, but Jesus is speaking to the crowds here about the cost of discipleship. And what I want you to notice is how practical and uh, unsentimental Jesus can be about business. Right? This is a, a wonderful glimpse, I, I think, into the way he thinks. So uh, what he wants to do here, uh, it wants us to do here, is to apply some business-like attitudes to becoming a disciple. So here's what he says, beginning with uh, verse 28. This is uh, Luke 14, beginning with verse 28. Uh, For which of you... Intending to build a tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. And then a few sentences after that, Jesus adds, So therefore, none of you, can become my disciple if you do not, and we might say, do the math. If you do not, count the cost. If you do not, give up everything. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends of Jesus Christ, uh, when I was 12 years old, uh, I began my working life. I continued to go to school, of course, but uh, I I began my working life by delivering uh, newspapers uh, to around 120 of my neighbors every afternoon, six days a week, also uh, very early on Sunday mornings, uh, rain, snow, freezing temperatures, it didn't matter, uh, I would find the newspapers that had been dropped off uh, for me and I would put them in a big bag which I carried over my shoulder and uh, I would walk around uh, tossing these folded uh, newspapers onto the steps of, uh, front steps of my neighbors. Uh, The work took only a couple of hours each day, maybe less, but it did provide me with uh, some spending money, uh, which was the main reason for taking the job. Uh, Don't all 12-year-olds search for financial uh, independence. I don't know, but that was my goal. In addition to delivering uh, newspapers, I would uh, go out every two to three weeks uh, in the evening, and I would attempt to collect payment from uh, my neighbor's. Uh, The collecting, as you can imagine, took uh, a lot longer than delivering the the newspapers and I thought was way more interesting because I was uh, usually invited inside and I could kind of look around to see how uh, my neighbors lived. And then uh, after uh, collecting the the money, I would come home and I would count it. Uh, One night, my father saw me come into the house and he was, I think you could say, he was appalled (laughs) at what he saw Uh, I I mean, I could see his jaw drop when I uh, came into the house. Uh, Money was literally falling out of my pockets. I had dollars uh, coming out everywhere. And uh, who knows how much money I left in a trail uh, leading up to uh, our house. This was the first clue, by the way, that business was not going to be in my future. Uh, So uh, my father sat me down uh, that night for my first lesson in... Money management. And what he did, and I look back on this now and am very uh, grateful for this lesson. I remember it as though it happened uh, yesterday. Uh, What he did was to find three glass jars and he labeled them church, savings, and spending money. So 10%, he said, uh, this was very painful, uh, 10% would go into the church jar Uh, Most of the rest went into the savings jar, and then a very tiny amount, almost invisible to the naked eye, (laughs) uh, a very tiny amount went into the third jar, spending money. And you won't be surprised to learn that this uh, tutorial in money management was to have a profound effect on my life. Uh, My money management skills, to be honest with you, uh, have not substantially gone beyond <laughs> what I learned uh, on that particular night. And, and here's the principle, or uh, uh, here's the principle or the truth that made the biggest impact uh, on me and what I want you to hear this morning. God had a stake in my money management. All right, That's what I came away thinking. Who knew? Uh, God actually cared about what I did with the money. It was not mine. It belonged to Him. Uh, faith and business were not somehow separate realms, you know, having nothing to do with each other, which I kind of thought at the beginning, and uh, which I have to say is often how people, including Christian people, think about these things. Uh, I must tell you that, that last week when I came to Nehemiah chapter uh, 5, I almost burst into laughter. Right? The, the, there was nothing funny last week, I know, about uh, discouragement, uh, which was our subject, or, or the week before that when we uh, reflected together on, on uh, disappointment or, or uh, criticism, excuse me, criticism and, and what it feels like to be unfairly criticized. But there was something almost uh, comical about what appeared to be the subject for this week. The, the book of Nehemiah, uh, as you must have learned by now, is utterly practical. You know, uh, there is very little or no abstract theology. Uh, no speculation about the nature of God, which I kind of like. Instead, in chapter after chapter, there are these stories and lessons in the most practical and basic elements of life. So how do you handle criticism? Well, read the book. Uh, What do you do when you feel discouraged? Well, the book has something to say about that. And and now, of course, the book has something to say about money. Uh, To bring you up to date, we are looking this fall uh, at the book of Nehemiah, which is set in the 5th century BC. And Nehemiah, a high-ranking official in the uh, court of the Persian king, uh, felt called by God to leave his position in Persia and return to Jerusalem. Except that he had never been to Jerusalem before. Right? The, the exile occurred about 70 years before this. Uh, so his parents or grandparents maybe uh, were taken away into exile and there they, they kept alive the memory of Jerusalem, the holy city, the place that God had, had given to these people. Right? So they talked about it, and, and around the dinner table, they sang songs about it. Uh, for Nehemiah, it must have seemed as though he had once lived there. Uh, and so Nehemiah, as we heard, made this 800-kilometer 800, 800 uh, journey to Jerusalem and somehow convinced the people there that they should help to rebuild the wall of their city. The actual work, I mentioned this toward the, the beginning of this series, the actual uh, work took only 52 days. Uh, which is astonishing when you think about it, uh, especially considering all of those uh, obstacles and setbacks that they experienced along the way. And one of those obstacles occurs in the chapter we heard today. The, the people, as I think you heard, decided to go on strike. There's nothing new about labor problems. When employees think that they are being treated unfairly, they stop working until something is done about it. Uh, You heard what the problems were. The the people weren't making enough money to buy food. When they tried to borrow money, they were being charged uh, unfair interest rates uh, to the point that they were becoming enslaved uh, to the people who held their loans and and mortgages. Uh, and, And they are at the point, I think you heard this as well, they are at the point of selling their children into slavery simply to survive. Now, I want to move as quickly as I can to uh, some of the practical lessons that we learn here. But first, it's important to see what Nehemiah did uh, when he realized what was happening. And and the first thing he did was to get mad. Uh, Verse 6, I was very angry, uh, Nehemiah writes, when I heard their outcry and, and, and these complaints. So here's a leader with empathy, which unfortunately, is a rare quality in political leaders today. But Nehemiah heard about the problem, and he did something about it. Uh, but Nehemiah, the, the story tells us, uh, 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 well, I was going to say, he, he did more than post something on Facebook uh, about it. Uh, you, you can be angry in social media, and uh, it seems to me it doesn't cost you anything. Uh, But uh, Nehemiah, uh, the story tells us, immediately confronted those uh, who were responsible. Verse 7, I contended with the nobles and and the rulers. In other words, the people with the power. Uh, So in effect, uh, what he said was, this is unacceptable. uh, And it has to stop. And it is a violation of the law of Moses, some of the most basic principles with which we live. So stop it. Right now. And then uh, verse 8 tells us that they were silent and and could not find a word to say. Now remember, Nehemiah is writing this story. And the skeptic in me wonders if Nehemiah isn't trying to make himself look as good as uh, possible here. I let them have it and they didn't know what to say. Uh, But there's an element of truth here. You know, Nehemiah appealed to their sense of right and wrong, and he said to them, you know better than this. You know what Moses taught. Shame on you. So, let's leave the story there for a moment, and here's what I would like you to see. As my father pointed out to me many years ago in a language that a 12-year-old could understand, there's a connection. Uh, whether we like it or not, between our faith, what we say we believe, and uh, our money, our work, our business. Uh, to put it that another way, our faith has implications, and I would say huge implications. Right? If you believe in, in justice and righteousness, all those good Old Testament words, then it is impossible To talk about work and business without also thinking about those things. In the time that remains, I I want to lay out or list the, the biblical principles that I think I see in this story. This is what our story means to say to us today. Number one, God wants us to handle our money wisely, justly, and fairly. Right? And if you are growing in your faith and you are just starting out as a follower of Christ, then your financial life is going to inescapably be part of this growth. And if you are anything like I was at age 12, this is going to be a very, very difficult point to accept. What you have, after all, is what you earned. At least that's how we usually think about it. I worked hard for it, and I carried around a lot of newspapers in all kinds of weather. And the older I get, the worse that weather became. No one gave that money to me. Therefore, I can do with it as I please. And the truth is, the Bible, you need to know this, the Bible strongly objects to that way of thinking. Your money is not your own. Because that money, your money, has implications. It has implications for you. It has implications for your family. It it has implications for the economy of Switzerland. And and frankly, for the global economy. Uh, What we have, our possessions, our money, what we have creates moral responsibility. If you have a bank account, if you own property, if you have investments then you are faced with moral questions. And the more you have, it seems to me, the more responsibility you have. Uh, For the last couple of years, IPC has uh, offered uh, classes by the American businessman, and author and motivational speaker and Christian, uh, Dave Ramsey, and a few people have attended these classes. I wish uh, many more would. Uh, Offering classes on finances in a, a church like this, in a city like this, is always tricky. Uh, because if you attend, you seem to be saying that you don't know what you're doing. All right? that, that, that you are like me when I was 12 years old. And we all want others to think that Boy, we are savvy investors and, and uh, we're market geniuses and, and uh, we spend all of our free time reading market analysis. I don't, I'll confess. Uh, we would never want to admit that, that we don't know all there is to know about money. But Ramsey, and I've I've discovered this in listening to his talks, Ramsey speaks directly to people like you and me. And and so this is his critique of of 21st century life, and I'm quoting, we are people, he says, who buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. (laughs) I mean, that's the paradox of of modern life. And, And maybe it's a pretty good definition of sin. In other words, for most of us, we need to take control of this area of our lives. And as Charles Swindoll, on whose Nehemiah book, The Sermon Series is Based, puts it, wise handling of our savings and our investing and our spending and our giving pleases God. And it benefits everyone, including us. Here's the second point I want to make, uh, number two. Uh, Until we take this first step, uh, until we finally take control of uh, of this part of our lives, and until we get our priorities straight, we're going to find ourselves weighed down and unable to move around and and maybe even uh, paralyzed. Uh, To quote Swindoll again, uh, not having clear priorities takes a heavy toll on God's work in your life. If you go back and read the first 13 verses of of Nehemiah chapter 5, you will see that no one is working. No progress is being made on the wall. Uh, Everything, the entire operation has come to a halt until the financial and economic mess was dealt with, uh, until Nehemiah confronted the nobles and the ruling elites, uh, until people remembered the law of Moses No progress on the wall could be made. And the same is true for our lives. The the painful truth is that uh, you are going to be stuck right where you are until you take action, until you get this part of your life under control. You know, after you heard the story about uh, me and my business acumen at at the age of 12, uh, you might be surprised to hear that anyone has ever come to me for financial advice and it would be like asking a plumber why your, your cat is sick. And, and yet, shockingly, the, the people who have come to see me over the years have often wanted to talk about money. In fact, I would say the top three issues that come up in my office are relationships, uh, vocation, what am I supposed to do with my life, and number three, uh, money. And, and often it's not having enough, but just as often it's having what feels like too much. So just to be clear, uh, no one seeks investment advice from me. The, the, the issue most of the time is spiritual. Right? Money and possessions, as the Gospels point out on nearly every page, have a spiritual dimension. And as people of faith, followers of Christ, we need to get that relationship right as quickly as we can. Here's the third point I want to make, uh, uh, number three. Uh, correcting any problem in our lives, and I don't care what it is, but correcting any problem in our lives begins by facing it head on. And nowhere is that more true than in the area of money. I'm just going to quote David Ramsey again here. Change, he writes, is painful. Few people have the courage to seek out change. Most people will not change until the pain of where they are exceeds the pain of change. Most of us end up in uh, difficult financial uh, situations because we fail to notice the warning signs. Or uh, we fail to take them seriously when we do uh, see them. Uh, no one is better at denial than we are right? when it comes to money. And maybe because of the shame that is involved. Uh, but the teaching of Nehemiah chapter 5 is that the issue, whatever it is, needs to be addressed head-on, and the sooner the better. And finally, here's the the, the fourth point, number four. And this one may surprise you. Uh, According to the story, uh, according to Nehemiah chapter 5, the best way to make the change we know we need to make is to do it with a promise and to make it public. The the issue in the story, uh, as you heard, was laid out for all to see and the promise never to let it happen again, right, was, was made for all to hear, I suppose. And, and I'll just say, we don't like our financial information to be spread around, right? And, and I can understand why, but there is a truth here that I think we need to see. Uh, Swindoll uh, wisely, I think, recommends that we start with a friend, Someone who knows us well, uh, maybe a a discipleship group, uh, an accountability group of some kind, people we trust. Whoever we choose will know what we are attempting to do and will ask us about it, right? And, and, And we'll know if we have failed or compromised or somehow veered off the path. In my own life, nothing keeps me on track better than having told someone about what it is in my heart to do. Uh, you don't have to place an ad in the newspaper, or you can, about the changes you are going to make. But start confiding in someone that uh, you need to make a change in your life and that you are taking simple, positive steps and that you want to be held accountable. Try it. Uh, I hope you take the example of Nehemiah seriously and get this part of your life uh, under control, we will never grow spiritually until our financial life, like every other part uh, of our life, comes uh, under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So that might be a good place uh, to begin, by thinking about this question. Could you stand up front uh, right now and tell everyone that your finances, your savings, your investments, and so on, could you tell everyone that they are, of course, under the lordship of Jesus Christ? Will you pray with me? Let us pray. Gracious, uh, gracious God, once again, we give you thanks for the teaching of Nehemiah. Uh, we thank you, too, for the example of his life, for the forthrightness with with which he led. And today we ask for uh, honesty in our own lives about where we are and about how far we have to go. We pray that you will enter in. We pray that you will send your spirit uh, into our lives to work in us and to change us and make us into the people you would have us be. We pray this today, trusting that you do hear us and that you do answer. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Our hymn is number 391. Let's stand and sing together.
5: be seated. The time has come in our service this morning that we will uh, take up the offering, so if you would please bow your head and let's pray together. Lord, we make our offering today in faith faith in the plans you have for IPC, faith that you have given us all we need to do your will here in Zurich, and faith that you will remember what we give to you. Lord, bless and receive this offering that your will would be accomplished in us. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. If you would, let's again bow our heads and pray. Lord, you are a mighty God, the creator of all things. You are a good God. The author of every good thing, both in the world, and in us. You have proven time and again that every good work you start, you will make complete. And you are a loving God, sending your Son to die in our place, even when we were your enemies, so that nothing need stand in the way of our knowing you. And we come before you now, because, despite our sins, you are eager to know us. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayers. we pray for this fallen world that you would be its light. We pray for world leaders that you would humble them and they would pursue justice and reconciliation. We pray for a peaceful outcome in Spain and that the people of Catalonia would remain peaceful and free. We remember that many are still recovering from hurricanes and flood damage earlier this year. And we pray for all those suffering following the attacks in Mogadishu. Everywhere we pray that your gospel is preached and Christ's work is made known. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Father, we thank you for sending skilled doctors and nurses to the Shan people this month to help them and to heal their sick. Lord, encourage people like these who give a part of themselves to help those in need. We pray for the Sean who have moved to the cities looking for work, that you would protect them from those who would exploit them and that they would not lose hope. Lord, give them also an open heart and faithful ministers to meet them where they are, that they may hear your word and believe in your son. Lord, in your mercy, mercy. we pray for all our brothers and sisters in Christ, that they would be strengthened by your word and continue to trust in you alone to save them. Lord, in your your mercy, here at IPC, we too know suffering and loss, anxiety for the future, unemployment, sickness, and depression. We remember our new member, Betsy, who couldn't be here today because of illness. Lord, remember each of us. Help us to be faithful and loyal friends to one another, earnest in our love and tireless as we minister to each other. Lord, change our hearts so that we don't turn away from one another or ignore those who sit just a few pews away from us. Lord, in our embarrassment or shame, we've built up our own walls to keep you and others away. Break those barriers down and let your light shine in us. Lord, as you have sent your spirit as a helper to each of us, show us how to be a helper to our neighbors. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for our pastors and elders, our deacons, and our office staff, and the hundreds of volunteers helping your church throughout the week here. Keep your spirit close to us, and help us to remain ever open to his leading. Lord, in your mercy. Now let's take a moment of silence to bring our private concerns to the Lord. mercy in yeah. our prayers. And now, just as Jesus taught his disciples, let us pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses." as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now if you are able, I invite you to please stand and let's sing together hymn 428, We Give Thee But Thine Own.
3: remember to greet our new members at coffee hour today. Please remember that there is an evening worship service at six o'clock in the Methodist Church. We would love to see you there and now receive this blessing. May the blessings of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you all both now and forever. Amen.